The rest of us can turn in our Bibles to the book of Colossians. Book of Colossians. And uh, we had uh, uh, started to wrap up Colossians chapter 2. There's a couple of things that we're going to uh, kind of hit here that I want to make sure that we, we still understand. Uh, Colossians 2 dealt with uh, uh, four specific warnings uh, about uh, what is going to happen with uh, people trying to come in, uh, men uh, in, in trying to teach things that are outside of what uh, what uh, God's doctrines are. Um, we, we, we talked about those, uh, those four warnings um, in this passage. We kind of got towards the end part. Um, and, and again, I want to pick up here in verse, uh, uh, verse 20. It says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor uh, to the satisfying of the flesh. So th- th- there's a couple of things that I wanted to cover. You know, obviously we, there's a lot of uh, words that are thrown around in uh, the world today. There's a lot of Christianese. Um, when people come to church, uh, sometimes it's a completely foreign language when they start talking about things like, uh, just somebody that has never even heard of Jesus Christ. And that is in the United States of America here today. There are people that have not heard the name Jesus Christ and have no idea who he is. And that's, that, that's sad. Uh, it's sad to understand that there's other countries such as China and Thailand and Korea, uh, sending missionaries to the United States of America because the uh, United States needs to be evangelized. That's disturbing, but that's where we are, okay? <clears throat> that being said, um, when, when, when we see some of these words pop up, like specifically here in uh, verse 20 where he's talking about ordinances, Many times people will talk about two ordinances for the church today. And those two ordinances for the church today are Lord's Supper and baptism. And again, neither one of those has, you know, does any salvation for a person. That, that, that we, you know, make that clear, you know, because somebody gets baptized uh, does not mean that washes away their sins, Okay. That we, we don't believe that. That's called baptismal regeneration, if you want a fancy theological word for it. Uh, that is a false doctrine. Uh, you cannot make it fit. Uh, how do we know? I mean, you know, there's perfect examples. Um, and, and, and I've heard it argued before. You know, people will say, well, the thief on the cross, he didn't get baptized. And people are like, well, you, you, you never know. They could have taken him down off the cross, baptized him, and then put him back up. Uh, look, you know, I understand the Romans are, uh, the lights blinking. I'm sorry, catching you out of the corner of my eye there. Uh, the, the Romans were brutal and they loved their torture, but they didn't love it that much. Okay. So that, that obviously didn't happen. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, baptism, we're not talking about the, 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 um, the salvation that's necessary. Lord's Supper is not necessary for salvation. 
Uh, what it is, is it's meant as a, you know, again, something that is to bring the body uh, of believers together. And, you know, here we all are as part of the body of Christ. Uh, we're not the complete body of Christ. We're part of the body of Christ. Um, we're not our own separate individual body of Christ, even though we sometimes refer to it as a body of believers. Uh, we, we, we are belong to the body of Christ as in the whole. So if somebody is saved here in Ridgefield, Washington, and somebody is saved in, uh, Kansas City, Missouri, and somebody is saved in Uganda, and somebody is saved in Crimea, and somebody is saved in Serbia, as an example, all of those individuals are part of the body of Christ. They're, 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 they're not separate bodies. So, so that, those are things that we, you know, we believe that. But again, when it comes to these ordinances, the reason that we do these things is for the edification of other people. You know, people often will think, well, baptism's for myself. No, it's not. It's not. If you think that baptism is for yourself, you've got a wrong misunderstanding about baptism. If you think the Lord's Supper is about yourself, go back over there and read what he talks about in in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It's not for yourself. Yeah, you're supposed to examine yourself to make sure that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing as far as edifying the body of Christ. If you're not edifying the body of Christ, well, then there's a problem. But those are often what we refer to as ordinances here. That is not what he's talking about here in verse 20, okay? I just want to make sure that we clearly understand that. This is not what we're talking about in verse 20, where he's talking about being subject to ordinances, okay? Um, he's talking about things that are being mentioned as far as the law, as being brought unto ordinances of man uh, saying these certain things. As an example, there is a, 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 a false doctrine that runs around out there that is often referred to as Adventism or Seventh-day Adventists. And they all have very specific things, as we've talked about. Uh, you can't eat this, you can't eat that, you must eat this, you must eat that. All of those being necessary for salvation and preserving your salvation. Because if you do, if you go and, you know, if you will exercise activities outside of that, you would wind up being in trouble. You'd wind up being, as they would refer to it as, needing to be saved again. And again, there's another Christianese word because people often don't understand what they're needing to be saved from and saved unto. But here specifically, as we're talking about these ordinances and we're talking about what, what, what he's referencing here, he's talking about these things that we find in verse 23 that have to deal with man's will versus God's will. Man's will versus God's will. And one of the key things to understand about these four warnings that, 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 that are put down here is that these type of things will lead to a person being bondage again to someone else. When we trusted Christ as our Savior, we were free from the bondage of sin. This is why he's asking, why in the world would you want to go back to a bondage type scenario where now you are basically 
if you will, in servitude, a slavery, if you will, to man. That's not how this works. We have liberty in Jesus Christ. That liberty, I mean, obviously there are restrictions. All liberty must have restrictions, otherwise you wind up with anarchy and chaos. But that liberty that we have in Jesus Christ allows us to do a lot of good. That's that, that's the purpose behind that liberty. Not to do that which is evil, but to do that which is good. And what we find here is he's saying, look, these are all, if you will, a show. It's a show. In, in verse 23, he says, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility. It's a show. It's feigning. How often did Paul would, would write about things, about individuals that would wind up, if you will, being um, uh, uh, feigning things, faking it? The Christian life is not to be faked. The Christian life isn't, if you will, a set of thou shalt and thou shalt not. What it is, is it's a very clear liberty that we have in Christ to do all those things which please, honor, and glorify him, of abstaining from those things that bring shame, and very clearly, that's not to be done, if you will, in an open show. Jesus Christ, he would point out to the Pharisees, he says, you know, when you fast, what you do is, these Pharisees, they would fast, and of course they wouldn't want to talk about the fact that they were fasting. Look, by the way, if you're fasting, really honestly, nobody should really know about it. Okay? Now, you might have a private conversation with somebody where you're saying, well, hey, I, I, I am fasting for you. And, and again, there's a discernment and there's a judgment that must be used with those things. But, but, but clearly, if you're fasting for something or you're fasting for someone else, it's not about you. Fasting isn't about you. And, and, and fasting is this huge fashion fad now, if it days, if you will. You have this periodic fasting that they do for, for dietary purposes and things of that nature and, uh, uh all, all of those type of things. But, but what we see is that those Pharisees, as Christ pointed out, would change the visage of their face and they would be like so pained and like, oh, oh, oh because they were trying to show people, hey, I'm fasting. And if you will, receive worship for it. That's the whole concept. And what we find with these warnings is that's what it's about. Man has the same type of mentality that Lucifer has. Worship me. Worship me. And it's a dangerous thing. I mean, we see, we see it all the time. We see it with, uh, with people that are good at sports. We see it with people in the, 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 the entertainment, uh, um, you know, movie television industry. Uh, we see it with, uh, with, uh, music and singing. It's all about worship me, worship me, worship me. Look at who I am and look at what I am doing. We're, we have a whole generation coming up 
where, where, where again, you know, it used to be that people grew, you know, when they were younger, uh, or a few, you know, years ago, they, they would, when, when they were asked what they wanted to do for, for a career, you'd have children actually give you reasonable things. Oh, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a police officer. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. Why? I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> you know, things, things of that nature. People w- would say, well, I want to do these things. I want to help people. I want to do this. I, you know, all of this stuff. But then all of a sudden, this, this digital, if you will, age just really takes a foothold. And people, you know, children nowadays are like, oh, well, 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 I'm, I'm working on being an influencer in Instagram. And, 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 and my, you know, YouTube channel and, and all of these things. And, and what's the purpose behind it? Me, 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 look at me. And he's talking about that here. And, and, and if you will, as he goes through this, you know, this is, if you will, neglecting things. You're neglecting the body of Christ. There is an, a neglect for those that are around. Because again, when you're thinking only of yourself, you are not considerate of someone else. And that's again, the concept that we see as he closes out this cha- chapter here. Uh, and, and he says, there's no honor in it because why? Because it's just about satisfying your flesh. It's just about satisfying of the flesh. And we find that that's what a lot of people are wanting in churches today. Satisfaction of flesh. What gratifies me? Well, let's, let's be honest. When Jesus Christ was here on earth, he wasn't about satisfying his flesh. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. And when we think about that, you know, what, what God's really truly saying, we begin to realize that there's going to be a choice of either we're going to go after the things of the world and we're going to enjoy sin for a season or we're going to enjoy the, the if you will, those pleasures for a short period of time, but it, there's no honor in it. There's no honor in it. Think about it. Extreme scenario. Extreme scenario. Is there honor in an individual that goes out and gets so drunk that they don't even remember what happened in the evening and they wake up in a pile of their own vomit? They satisfied their flesh, did they not? Where's the honor? Where's the honor? Ask any police officer or, uh, you know, EMT or emergency room doctor that has to deal with people that have overdosed or, uh, are, are, are drunk or, or something of that nature where they've just satisfied their flesh over and over and over again. And they now have to come in and clean up that mess. There's no honor in that. 
There's no honor in that. You know, again, just to, to, to bring something to, to a very, you know, if, if you will, pointed local illustration, that dump truck that flipped over with the manure on I-5 and spread it all over the north and southbound lanes, the whole reason that that all occurred and happened was because up ahead there was a guy walking in the middle of I-5. He wasn't in his right mind. Was there honor in that? There's no, there's no honor in that. There's no honor in satisfying of the flesh. So here we are, and now we're moving into chapter three. And in chapter three, he begins to, you know, move from those warnings to, to coming along to, hey, here's some things that you need to make sure that you're doing to avoid falling into those snares and traps, to avoid those things, but above all, to keep the mindset of the preeminence of Christ. To keep that mindset of the preeminence of Christ. In verse, uh, verse one here of chapter three, uh, Colossians, he says, if ye then be risen with Christ, and let's just stop there for a moment at that comma. Are you risen with Christ? If you're trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are risen from the dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Keep your place there. Just flip over a couple pages to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and then again another parallel with uh, Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians. These books have a lot of parallels here, uh, including Galatians. But in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, In you hath he quickened, again being made alive, who were dead in tra- trespasses and sins. You were dead. But in verse 5, it says, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now again, I want to emphasize that. If you are trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can be in two places at once. That's not physically possible for a human body. But with the way that the Lord is operating and the way that the Lord has done his work and has spoiled principalities and powers, he has made us sit with him. We are in him, as he talks about in chapter 1 of Ephesians. And if we are in him, where is he seated? He is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. He is in heaven on the throne as God. We're in him and he's in us. And praise God, nothing can change that. But what we find here is if going back over to Colossians chapter 3, he says, if you then be risen... With Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. This is, this is, if you will, where he begins to start to say, look, we, we, we've got to change the situation. We've got to change the circumstances. We've got to change the environment. And this is, again, why we need the helmet of salvation. 
We have to put that on every single day and remind ourselves you are a saved, born-again child of God. You have a home in heaven. You have forgiveness of sins. Why in the world would you want to do anything that's contrary to what God and what Christ has done? So here he makes it very clear here in this passage, he says, there's something that you need to do. You need to seek. You need to seek. And what is it we need to seek? We need to seek spiritual things. Did he not tell the nation of Israel? He goes over there, he starts talking about the kingdom of heaven, he starts talking about what's going to happen, starts setting up, you know, know, if you will, giving them this preparation for that kingdom that is to come, all of these things. They're getting excited about it, but, but what is the first thing that he tells them that they need to do? But seek ye first the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of heaven. And people today have got that backwards. They, they, they want the kingdom of heaven right now and deal with the spiritual stuff later. The nation of Israel wants the kingdom of heaven right now without God. But he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness, not, the, not their righteousness as he talks about over in Romans chapter 10, but God's righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. People get that messed up. They want the physical blessings before they receive the spiritual stuff. Have you ever had a situation in your life where some things, maybe something's going wrong, maybe something is like completely backwards, maybe... Maybe it's your own doing. Maybe it was somebody else that did it. Whatever is happening. But but you go to the Lord in prayer about it and, and you approach it with this mindset. Lord, if you take care of this physical thing right now, you, you, you heal me up, you get me better, you, 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 you get that person right with God by slapping them upside the head, whatever it is, um, you know, uh, whatever thing it is, it's a physical thing. Why is it we always pray, Lord, if you deal with this, then I will do X. Then, Lord, I will serve you. Then, Lord, I'll read my Bible more. Then, Lord, I'll be in diligent in prayer. That's not the way it works. Right. No, you, 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 you go to God and you say, God, I, I know I'm failing at this. Lord, I, I, I want to read your Bible more daily. And again, this is the whole concept behind what we've got going on over in the book of James that we're talking about on Wednesday. Don't just be a hearer of it, but be a doer. You do those things, God will take care of the rest of it. He'll handle it. Because you need a spiritual mindset. Don't be praying over a physical thing and then say, then I'll do something spiritual. No, it's do the spiritual and then God will handle that physical. And this is where he's saying, he says, seek those things which are above. This is the preeminence of Christ throughout this book. 
And he makes it clear, he says, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Take a look over at, uh, um, oh, let's take a look at uh, Mark chapter 16. Turn over to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 has what is often referred to as the Great Commission. It's a commission that was given to the 11, because obviously one was missing. Uh, Judas, he had uh, went and hung himself, and then his fell and bowels spurred all over the place. Lovely thing to have happen, which, by the way, is the end result of what happens with sin. But here he is, and he, he appears to the 11 in verse, uh, verse 14. Uh, he uh, braids them for their unbelief. I'm not sure exactly what the conversation was, but I'm sure it was not a pleasant one. When he's upbraiding them, why didn't you believe? I told you. Well, there was, you know, all this stuff that was going on. Well, I told you that was going to happen. Yeah, but then this happened. Well, I told you that was going to happen. Yeah, but, th- but, but then you were betrayed. I told you that was going to happen. And then they crucified you. I told you that was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, at some point in time, he, he, he's going to ask the question, do you believe what I'm saying? And again, it comes down to the Bible. Do we believe what he's saying? But here he is. He's upbraiding them uh, with their unbelief and their hardness of heart. The 11 still were, they were still after three years with Christ, were still dealing with hardness of heart. Don't think that we would ever escape that. I don't care how long you've been saved. You can still develop a hardness of heart towards the things of God. It's a dangerous thing. And again, it's because of a lack of belief. If you don't believe God's going to do something, you're going to develop a hard heart. It's just the way it works. Case in point, nation of Israel. But here he is, he goes through this, and in verse 15, he gives that commission. He says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, again, he makes it specific for these 11 because then he gives them some very specific things in the next few verses about what they're going to do that a lot of people do not grab when they start grabbing the Great Commission, such as, uh, um, you know, uh, casting out devils, speaking in new tongues, taking up serpents, uh, drinking uh, deadly things, and uh, healing the sick. Uh, that's not a commission that I have, Okay. But there is a good application for verse 15 that everybody needs to go and preach the gospel to any creature that's willing to listen. Any creature that's willing to listen. But what happens here is after he gives and delivers this and tells them this is what they're going to do, Mark immediately cuts right to the ascension of Christ. Verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Sat on the right hand of God. 
So Mark reaffirms that this ministry that Christ was doing as a servant in the book of Mark, when he's finished, he rests. There he is seated. And Colossians, again, makes it very clear that this is Christ's position, the right hand, the right hand. Isn't it interesting that people still use that right hand and that right arm in vernacular today. I'd give my right arm for whatever it is. That person is my right hand man, woman, whatever. Where do you think all that comes from? People don't understand they're using biblical principles and speaking Bible when they speak, and then they turn around and deny Jesus Christ, deny the Lord, and deny the, deny the Bible. And you're just sitting there going, mm-hmm. But here he is, he's making it clear that this is the preeminent position of Jesus Christ. This is where he's at. Go back over to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, again, just to, 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 to mention another verse. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1. Sorry, Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> and in uh, uh, verse 19, it says... And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he hath wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but that also the, uh, in that which is to come. And put all things under his feet and gave it to him to be the head over all things of the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Paul's reaffirming it here with the Ephesians. He's again reaffirming it here with the, 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 the Colossians. He's reaffirming what Christ has already communicated and what is going on with him that this is where he is at. Now, why is this important? Because of often the case, we become very earthly minded. We become, <coughs> excuse me, earthly minded. And it's difficult because here we are, we're living in the world today and we're living in this flesh and we're dealing with fleshly things and we're dealing with physical things. And sometimes we get so focused on that physical, we lose sight of the spiritual, which is why we lose sight of the preeminence of Christ. And Christ is no longer preeminent in our word, in our speech, in our thought, in our uh, lives, in our actions, in our deeds, in our heart, in our minds, none of that. He's no longer preeminent because we are so easily affected by other things. And he, he makes this clear here uh, in this next uh, um, verse, and, and, and throughout the rest of this chapter, 
There are 12 things that he identifies about how to go about seeking uh, very clearly those things which are above. There's 12 things, all listed throughout here. The very first one that we get to is he says this, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. The very first thing that he begins to address is the affection part. Now we see right there very clearly that obviously that root of the word affection is affect. I understand the difference between affect and effect and there's some similarities that are there. But when we're talking about affection, we are talking about what actually has an impact in us. When you display affection to somebody, the idea behind it is, is that you are affecting them in a way that is favorable and get a favorable response back. That's what affection's about. So here we are taking a look at this affection and what is it that affects our heart? What is it that affects our mind? If Christ is preeminent, he should be the one that affects us. He should be the one that actually has that ability to change and has that uh, uh, um, uh, ability to 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 motivate and to 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 really truly make that impact that we need in our life. Turn over to the book of Titus, Titus chapter two. Titus chapter two. <clears throat> Here Paul is talking to uh Titus and giving him some uh pastoral advice, some things that he needs to wind up doing. <clears throat> He goes through all of this, uh, uh, through all of these things and specifically in Titus chapter two, I want you to see in verse 12, he says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. So, so what has to happen here? We have to deny it. We have to deny it. There are people out there, you know, with this whole stuff that was going on with all this pandemic and things of that nature. People were sitting there talking about, oh, the science deniers. Remember, everybody was talking about the science deniers. Oh, good grief. But yet that doesn't apply to other areas of their agenda. But we'll just focus on the, you know, the denying part. And people were like, no, you need to believe it because the science is true, the science is fact, and blah, 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 blah. Okay? All right. So they basically said that in accusing people of denying what is factual. Now, I want you to think about that term, denying, in relationship to how we believe God and how we deny what the world tells us. Has anybody ever told you something that is, you just look at it and go, eh, I don't know about that. You know, that's a little sketchy. 
whether it's about themselves, whether it's about someone else, whether it's a conspiracy, whatever it is, okay? You just kind of like, you know, you, you, you give that eyebrow, the scrunched brow, you just kind of like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not believing you. So basically what you're doing is you're denying that that's truth. You're denying that fact, if you will. So when the world comes around and begins to tell you that these things are good for you, that these things are beneficial to you, there should be a denial. It's interesting to watch how society develops. I remember it, 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 it started at at this one office job that I had, and I was just exiting, uh, being working in the office environment and doing a work from home way before COVID ever hit. But I, I was talking to one of the my coworkers, and he he was he was a chain smoker. I mean, it's like you know, every single five minutes he had to take a smoke break because he was going through his cartons a day. And he started getting better and better, you know, trying to reduce it. And then finally he found something that was the answer and the end all to everything. Guess what it was? Vaping. So what does he do? He's like, oh, he said, it's just, it's just water vapor. And it's so much refreshing. It's so much better for me. It's so much. This, and, and then, and then everybody else in the office that were non-smokers all of a sudden started picking up vaping because they're like, "Oh, this is cool. Oh, I, you know, I like sucking on that. It smells like cinnamon and fruit and whatever else, and you know, things like that." And everybody was like, "Oh, this is this is cool. This is great, and it's so much better for you, and it's harmless." I'm sitting there going. No. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Look, sucking anything into your lungs other than air is generally bad. I don't care what it is. And I've sucked some things into my lungs that I probably should never have ever sucked in. I remember one time I had to clean a a, a, a printer that had a toner explode inside of it. I was, man, I was coughing up toner for the next three years. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, there's, it did some damage down there somehow. My lungs, thank God, have still been, only by the grace of God, been protected and they're fine. But you, you don't put anything in, the, in your body like that. But all of a sudden, everybody was like, oh, no, 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 this is the best thing for you. Now what are they doing? Now they want to just ban vaping altogether. Now they just want to ban it altogether. Everybody was, you know, talking about, oh, you know, oh, this big thing about, oh, you know, if you drink in moderation, everything's going to be fine. A little bit of alcohol, you know, that's good for you. Uh, you know, things like that. You know, if you, if you have a glass of wine every day at a meal, it's, you know, it's good. It's going to be good for your heart and things like that. You know what they're finding nowadays? They're finding that flat out you shouldn't have more than like one drink a week. 
So much so that Canada is actually trying to figure out how they can start to ban it. Prohibition. Wait, what? Didn't we have a constitutional amendment about that or something? But whatever, okay. Really, are we going to let the world affect us? Or are we going to let the truth of the word of God affect us? The world's fickle. Eggs are bad for you. They're good for you. Don't eat out of aluminum pan. Eat out of aluminum pan. Just don't eat the aluminum. You know, I mean, all this stuff back and forth, you see why God says, you know what? Deny it. Deny it. You can say to the world, I don't believe that, and God's okay with that. Because he says here, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. Deny it in your life. Lock it out. Put a barrier there. Put a wall up. Sorry, I had to say it. But what, you know, whatever it's going to take to keep it out, keep it out. Deny it. Why? Because it's going to have an effect on you. He says, deny those things, but live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. So similar to what he's saying about here in, in, in Colossians chapter 3, uh, uh, verse 2, where he's saying, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. That means that we're setting our things on, uh, our affection on things above. What, what is it that we truly love? Because love and affection really are closely related. Well, he just said the things that are above. Well, what's above? He covered that in verse 1. Christ. Are we seeking to do the will of Christ? Are we seeking to follow the law of Christ? Are we seeking to do what God has instructed us as believers that we're supposed to do? If we're focusing on Jesus Christ, who is above, then we should be setting our affection on those things. If we're going to seek it, there should be an effect with it. Sometimes people want to seek things that are above, but they don't want it to affect them. There's a difference. When we see what God's talking about in this passage, he makes it very clear in verse 3 here, where he says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Well, what's he talking about? He's saying, you're dead to the things of the world. You're alive, but you're dead. Okay? You're alive under Christ, and you're alive under that liberty, but you're dead unto the rudiments of the world. You're dead unto those, if you will, that bondage. You're dead unto those things that are going to affect you negatively of the things of this earth. And why is that? Because as he says here, and your life is hid with Christ in God. 
That is where your life is found. When you go looking for something that's hidden, you're kind of like going on that treasure hunt. So very clearly we see that God is bringing this into this, that word hid, and I just want to make sure that we understand that, that's to protect it. Everybody talks about all these, you know, people that go and they would, uh, you know, the Nazi gold trains or the pirates that would hide their treasure or something of that nature. Why were they hiding it? To protect it. You want a protected life? You want a protected life from the things of sin? You want a protected life from the consequences of those sins? Then what you do is you find your life hid in Christ. He'll protect it. If you, again, set your affections on things above. Now, next week, we'll pick up here a little bit more uh, again, because again, he wants to make sure that we understand this concept about our life and about when we set our affections on things above. The reason that we do it is because, again, this life is not our own because he talks about it in verse four, when Christ, who is our life, when Christ, who is our life, whose life are you living? Whose life are you living? If it's in Christ, it's his. It should always be that. The Lord willing, we'll take uh, take this up uh, next week, but uh, we're going to be dismissed with a word of prayer. Um, and again, we'll uh, just uh, move back to our 11 o'clock service here in just a few moments. But let's go ahead and pray and we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again for an opportunity to receive from your word. Pray, Lord, that as we just begin to uh, uh, really get into chapter 3 here, that, Lord, as uh, you've set the tone about uh, the things that affect us, that, Lord, we would take this to heart and that we would seek after what is above, that is you, and we would set our affection on you, that, Lord, that would have that impact in our life that would cause us to live a life that pleases you and honors you. Thank you again for those that are here this morning. I pray, Lord, you just continue to meet with us for the 11 o'clock hour. And this I ask and pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.